praise his wonderful name. It's always good to be with you. And uh, I consider this is my second church here. I come to the States and this is my first stop. I come here and uh, I'm so thankful for inviting me again uh, to be with you. And it's always uh, um, uh, encouraging to strengthen each other in the Lord. And uh, I tell you, the, this church is connected to the world today, is connected to the nations of the world. Because of your prayers, because of your support, uh, God is doing an awesome thing around the world today. I, uh, since last time I was here, a lot happened. A lot of things happened. And we're seeing the Lord blessing us uh, uh, through many conferences in uh, China, in Malaysia, uh, in India, in Nepal, in Middle East, in Africa. These countries are constantly, I go to them and conduct leadership conferences. Uh, I just came back from Africa last uh, um, that trip was in Africa. We had, uh, the Lord blessed us with uh, an awesome conference on the border of Kenya and Uganda. We, we gathered about, uh, it came about almost 500 uh, leaders to the conference uh, for five days there. And uh, I tell you, the Lord really blessed us from morning to evening in teaching. And at the end of the conference, many pastors, they said, I have to give a testimony. I have to give a testimony. So most of the testimonies came. Uh, uh, the pastor said, we will never be the same after what God had done in our lives in this conference. So when pastors, they come to such gathering, it's not just singing and teaching, and, but God had an encounter with them. God get them there and he, he, he aim at them and, and transform them. Many leaders, pastor, probably over over uh, over a thousand churches were present there most of them pastor more than one church in this conference and uh, after that we moved to Rwanda where we had another major conference from five leaders from five countries from Congo Burundi Rwanda Tanzania and Kenya came together for this conference it was just a, uh, uh, to see those uh, pastors come together from different nations that is a great blessing. And uh, they're all on fire for planting new churches, uh, reaching new, new places. I was invited to go to, the, to a tribe of Africa just to preach to, preach to them. And I thought, I'd I never been with this group before. And uh, they were so short, they, they called them pygmies. I don't know how, they're really short. Uh, they, you know, the, in the past, they have no clothes, nothing, but uh, the church reached them and now they open school and they have a church. We had over 200 of them in the jungle. We went there. We had an awesome time with them. And uh, when I told them I'm from Nazareth, they looked at me like, you're a cousin of Jesus. You're, you're you know. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I start sharing and said, can you pray for us? Can you just lay hands on us and, and bless us? This is a type of people that the Lord is, is uh, bringing into the kingdom. And the kingdom will be so many people, different people. Um, I would like to thank you again for praying for me. I'm uh, on my way to India and Nepal next month 
will have five conferences back to back. Nepal is a country that has almost over one million, one million converts in the Himalayas mountains. And if there is a need in Nepal, desperate need for leadership training, for equipping those pastors and teachers so they can take care of the converts. And Pastor Mac was with me in Nepal. How many times? Twi twice. Twice. And, uh, uh, and this time we're going to have a, a major conference in Kathmandu in the capital. We're expecting good number, big, uh, great number of pastors to attend. After that, I go to India where I have uh, uh, five, uh, four other conferences back to back. When I called them in India, I said only two conferences. They just keep calling me back, say, Pastor, can you extend your ticket another four days? Okay, one more. We agreed. Then we settled the, pro the program. Then they called me back. You know, there is an, a, an area we've never been there. Can you? So uh, we added four conferences like that. So. In India, um, uh, the conversion, as I shared last year, the conversion is continuing. Every, every 24 hours, about over 16,000 people are coming to the kingdom. Like within an hour we were shaping now, how many thousands came to the Lord? So the, the leaders there tells me, can you just keep coming here? Can you come for six months in a row? Because... We, we can get our people saved, but we need people to take care of them. Can you train them? So most of the pastors are so busy pastoring so many churches. So when we come to train them, I mean, uh, uh, some group of people have, you know, some pastors have to protect me from the people when I go to India. Do you know why? Because people flood at you. They want you to pray for them, to touch them and... This is the hunger, this is the thirst for a touch from the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm really blessed and thrilled all the time to see what the Lord is doing in the nations of the world. China is another, uh, God is opening China again, but we're, we're doing leadership training in Hong Kong where we invite the mainland pastors from China. They're easy now to come to Hong Kong. It's, Hong Kong, it's easier to do conferences in a large scale. Uh, the last conference we had about 400 leaders came, young leaders. The teaching starts 9 o'clock. Like 9.01, no seats empty. I mean, all the seats are booked. I sp so they're, they're so organized there. I love doing conferences with them. But there's such hunger, and now uh, God is really opening China again for leadership training because China is the, I think God is giving the torch, the, uh, the, uh, God is giving uh, the, the responsibility. Now China is leading the nations of the world in evangelism. China is coming forth to evangelize the world and they have a vision. The vision is they, they have the gospel, they want to take the gospel all the way back to Jerusalem where it started. So they want to evangelize all the nations from China all the way back to Jerusalem. And they are preparing, guess how many, how many pastors and uh, let me, how many ministers are being prepared to be sent out from China to those countries? 100,000 leader. 
They are preparing those group to send them. They go like tent making, you know, they go and work. And, and uh, I, met with, I met so many of them in, in Algeria, North Africa. Uh, they're building huge buildings there. They're helping the government. They're workers there, but they evangelize. They share the gospel with so many people. So there are a lot of things are happening, and we are excited of what God is doing. So keep praying for me that God will strengthen and empower me. We live in Nazareth, and uh, as you know, nothing good can come out Nazareth. Jesus was the first one. <laughs> I'm the second. <laughs> we live in Nazareth, and God uh, blessed us with a lot of relationships and open doors for ministry. And as I shared before, we oversee in leadership training 35 churches in Galilee. Between my trips when I'm home, when I'm in Nazareth, we, I uh, conduct leadership training on a regular basis. Like every, every week, I meet with a group of uh, leaders, sometimes 20, sometimes 30 leaders in leadership training to assess the work of the Lord. And uh, among the many conferences we do in Israel, the youth conferences, the youth conferences has been stunning to us. We've done two, two youth conferences. You know, when youth comes to, when youth come to the conference, what they do? They have this machine all the time. They talk, they leave. They're just, you know, they can't wait for like 15 minutes sermons. That's a long sermon for them. I mean, how to get 200 youth, 200 youth in a place like that, listening to you? <laughs> That's a miracle by itself. <laughs> I said, Lord, we have to win this generation. I don't know. I, have a I need a strategy. You know what? We just prayed. We said, Lord, the only answer is your presence. The only, if your presence come over them, you can lock them to their seats and you can deal with them. <laughs> that was our prayer. And what happened? God is a witness to what I'm saying. When we started the conference, God came in a, just a thick presence of glory over the young people. Nobody wants to touch his iPhone, iPad, all this I, I, I things. <laughs> no, nobody wants to, to touch anything. Nobody wants to talk. They just want to be in the presence of God. I preached hours and hours laying hands, anointing with oil. Young people, young girls, young boys, crying tears they're longing for for God to come and fill them and use them in his kingdom so we have a new generation rising in Israel we really have a new generation rising in Israel and uh, we are uh, seeing that uh, the new generation is is really have a, a new spirit of unity they really want to have a genuine unity Arabs and Jews together they want to worship the Lord together God is healing so many of their hearts to the issue of unity in Israel is very, it's, it's very key, major key for us there. When, when the churches are united, God is blessing the nation. God is saving Jews and Arabs in the nation. So unity is so, it's so important that we fight for it. We, we cry out to the Lord. So I, we constantly have meetings of prayer between Jews, leaders from Jewish background, Arabs from you know, leaders from Arabic background, we constantly have prayer together 
So we're we going to see the destiny of the Jews and Arabs be fulfilled in this last days. Now, how many believe that we are really living in the last days? Or you don't uh, think about that. One, one person said, he said to me, if Jesus comes, he comes first to Jerusalem, and we catch him like seven hours later. Uh, I said, <laughs> I said <laughs> so, but in, if you live in Israel, this subject, you have to be so strong in it. I mean, I mean we, we monitor things, we monitor things. Now, what's happening is, you know, that all Arab countries around Israel are in, in bad shape. I mean, destruction, lawlessness, fear, ISIS is everywhere. So many Arab people are fl flitting, immigrating. So, uh, but we are praying that Isaiah 19, the prophecy of Isaiah 19, God will will open a highway from Assyria to Israel to Egypt. And that's a revival. When you read that prophecy, it's a revival. And so many of us waiting for that prophecy to be, to be fulfilled. When things are come so, it becomes so destroyed completely, then, then the sun will shine over the Middle East. We are believing God for a great harvest to take place. This summer, this past, uh, last August, my wife and I, we went to Jordan to minister to families that fled from ISIS, came to Jordan, left everything, left their land, their wealth, everything. They, they fled, and we're talking about three million of them came to Jordan. And the government of Jordan called the churches, called the churches, say, can you help us with these people? We have no way to help them. But don't convert them to Christianity. So said, we don't convert anybody. That's God's business. <laughs> but literally what happened is that so many churches receive hundreds and hundreds of families from, from, uh, coming from Syria and Iraq. They're not Christians. They don't know the Lord. But they received the Lord in Jordan. They got to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Somebody paid money to gather so many families to have a conference for them, to pay for them to have a conference. And my wife and I, we were, we, they asked us, can you come and minister to these families? I tell you, we, we spent those days ministering to them. It's a heartbreaking thing to hear their stories, to hear those stories. But in spite of what happened, they all have the joy of the Lord on their faces. They said to me, they said to me, we are so thankful for ISIS because without ISIS, we have never known the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior. So there's something good is coming out. <laughs> because of the trouble, people are turning to the Lord. Over 70 million Arab Muslims declared atheist because of what ISIS is doing. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for, for uh, the truth somewhere. And that's a great time to reach out and win those people to Christ. Um, tomorrow we will talk um, about um, uh, Muslim awareness, 
seminar. We're going to talk about this. It's, it's a good one. And we will give you some questions to, to ask. I grew up in a Muslim school all of my life. I know the religion by heart. So I, I wasn't a Muslim. My parents were originally Christians. But you have to attend the school that, you, that they provide for you. So I've been with them. I went a lot of them to the Lord. We need to understand them in order to how to pray, how to really deal with them. So come tomorrow, bring others. It will be worthwhile uh, to, to understand the, the, the Muslim world. We will have also in the morning a subject called the, the secure leader. So we're going to have three subjects this conference. Or uh, Tonight we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the secure, how to be a secure leader, a secure believer in the Lord, and then we'll cover the issue of uh, the Muslim world. Now, three things the Lord spoke to me this year, put on my heart, three things. The first one is, the Lord told me, I want to strengthen my church. I want to strengthen my body. And this season that God is coming to strengthen you, to empower you. Why? Because if you are not being strengthened, you might miss the destiny that God has for your life. The second thing that the Lord spoke to me is, I want to bring back the fear of the Lord in the hearts of my people. I want to bring my fear into the hearts of the people. And the third thing that the Lord spoke to me, and this is a good one, this is a good one. The Lord spoke to me the third thing, I am about to manifest glory, my glory in my church. He's about to release his glory. He's going to, the Bible says, uh, uh, the earth is, God wants to fill the earth with his glory as the water covers the sea. That's the desire. And we're going to study that. Maybe Sunday morning we'll have, we'll have that, how we want to see the glory of God in our generation. You know, I discovered when you see the glory of God, you reach your destination. That's all what you need. <laughs> so uh, seeing the, what happened to us when we see the glory of the Lord. Now, those three subjects being strengthened, the fear of the Lord and seeing the glory of the Lord, those three things that the Lord really put on my heart, and I would like to share these things with you uh, um, tonight and tomorrow. Now, let's move, talk about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. There are about over 300 references in the Bible concerning the fear of the Lord. It's not a popular subject. I'm glad you're here tonight. Nobody like to hear, we love to hear about the love of God. We love to hear about how God is so compassionate, so loving, so tender. So he blesses me. And this is, a, that's a good side of the Lord. But tonight we're going to talk about something so foundational. It is really so foundational to our life, to our, to our walk with the Lord. Now, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we don't talk about you're going to be terrified from God or scared from the Lord. That's not the concept we're talking about. No, we're going to talk about something about the fear of the Lord. What does it mean? Let's read a few verses before. Let's read some verses. You know, 
mostly in the Proverbs, uh, Psalms, a lot, of, a lot of verses about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, we all know this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Humility is the fear of the Lord. In the counsel of the Holy One, Ones, God is greatly feared. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. In Malachi, I love this verse. It says, chapter 1, it says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. God is saying, if I am a father, where is my honor? Where is my honor due to me? If I am a master, where is that respect due to me? Saith the Lord Almighty. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? What, what, what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is recognizing who is God in your life. Under recognize, acknowledging who God, the person of God in your life. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about the place of God in my life. We're talking about honoring God above everything in my life. That's the fear of the Lord. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about, uh, you, we understand his character. We understand his essence. We understand his, his uh, uh, we have respect for his mercy, for his love. We have an awe of you of who God is. Now, how many here tonight will say, Lord, I want you to deepen my respect for you. I really want to come to that place, not just uh, um, not just um, come like, oh, God is like, uh, uh, oh, he's here, he's here. And we take things so lightly, and God is really upset with that. He wants us really to draw closer to him, but at the same time, he wants us to, to honor him above everything. He wants us to acknowledge him. He wants us to have a deep respect for his person, for his presence in our lives. Now, the fear of the Lord is a gift from God. Hallelujah. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, that's a gift. That's a, God gives you, give, give you that gift. Now, the, the fear of the Lord, God designed to put the fear, his fear in the heart of, of people. Why? Because he wants them to enjoy life. Hallelujah. Now, the fear of the Lord is designed that you will enjoy life. The fear of the Lord is designed that your life will be in order. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is designed for you, not for God. The fear of the Lord is, is something that you, your life will be blessed. There are about over, over 20 major blessings will happen to you when you walk in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll give you one just to whet your appetite this evening. <laughs> Listen, it says, the angel of the Lord camps around 
the ones that fear him. Do you know the original meaning of that verse? That means when you go home, there are there's angel or two or three camping there, living there, living there. Where are they living? Around your house, beside your house, but they're living there. They don't, they don't depart. They, they live there. That's the original meaning. The angel of the Lord, it's not just coming for a visit or he's staying whenever you need and he leaves. No, no, no. His residence is there. The, the Bible said the angel of the Lord camps in the original language. He, his assignment from heaven to live beside your house to help you, to protect you, to deliver you. Are you excited tonight? So when you go tonight, say hello to them. <laughs> That's the truth. Do you believe that? Do, do you believe there are angels? Angels are camped around who? Around the ones that fear the Lord. Wherever you go, there are angels around the one that fears God. Wherever you go. One time I was, because I fly a lot of planes, like sometimes 70, 80 aircrafts every year. And I, sometimes I think, what if? So I kept saying, what if something happened, you know, this flight. I, I flew in, on, on, on airplanes that have no name. I flew in planes, you know, they will tell you, could you please make sure the door is locked? <laughs> While I was preaching in a, a, a church, a prophetess came to me after the service, and she said this, Pastor, the Lord showed me a vision about you, but it's so strange vision. I said, tell me. She said, the Lord showed me that you are afraid from airplanes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But the Lord showed me two huge angels are assigned from heaven for you. Wherever you go, they are accompanying you everywhere you go. She said the strange thing, I saw, I saw one of the angels riding the plane like he's riding a horse. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first angel. The second angel, I saw him, he was sitting Beside your seat when you're sitting on the plane. I said, that's it. That's it. I'll fly everywhere. <laughs> now, when we fear the Lord, there's an assignment from God. Angels that are assigned for us. You look like you don't believe me tonight. <laughs> you do? Now, the fear of the Lord is a gift. It's a gift from God. Now, to who? To everybody. He's given it to everybody, not just the believers. He can give it to anybody. The fear of the Lord is a gift, and he wants us to learn to grow in that fear, in that gift. Now, people can lose it, can lose the fear of the Lord. That's Romans 1. Romans 1 says, because they did not, they did not uh, 
retain the knowledge of God in their mind, what happened? God gave them over to a deprived mind to do what is not, things not, you shouldn't do. So, when the person loses that gift of the fear of God, what happened? He's destroying himself. Destruction. We know from the, from the story of the flood. The story of the flood, what did God say? No longer my spirit will, will be convicting the heart of man. I will pull my fear from the heart of man. Because I'm about to wipe all living soul on the face of the planet. So the fear of the Lord is, is a gift from God. And we need to, to really grow and learn the fear of the Lord. Now, uh, I have definition there, recognizing, acknowledging, respecting, and honoring God for who he is in my life. Now, God is not going to come tonight and tell you, fear me, respect me, honor me. He's not going to come and, and beg for his respect. How many agrees with me today? He's not going to come and say, please honor me. Don't forget, not to, don't forget to honor me. He's not going to come to do that. But he's going to give us an encounter with him. And out of the encounter, what happened? We are imparted this awareness. God imparts us. I pray that every one of you tonight, we will, they will, you will have an encounter with the Lord. When you have an encounter with the Lord, what happened? What happened? You will understand what I'm talking about tonight. You will start saying, Lord, you are above everything. Your place in my life above, above everything. Listen, when Abraham took his son to kill his son, the Lord came into the scene and stopped him. Listen to what God says. Now I know, Abraham, now I know that you fear me. Why that description? Now I know that, that you love me more than anything else. So the fear of the Lord, you say, Lord, I honor you in my life more than anything. I respect you, I honor. Now, let's, let's move to, uh, to some points here in, the, in, the, in, your, in your notes. Um, we're not going to be able to cover all of this but I trust some of the notes you can read at home and go to the references because this takes several hours to cover it but uh, we're, we're probably going to cover the first 10, ten points the, the, the most important in it um, the fear of the Lord it's not an Old Testament concept it's a New Testament concept God is the God of Old Testament and New Testament now we're going to go to see, there are so many references in the Bible, I'm choosing about 10 of them, 10 of them to give us light, the importance of the fear of God, what it means, what, what is it, the fear of God? Now let's, let's look at the first story, the first place that the fear of God is mentioned when Abraham had this incident. Abraham, <coughs> he was in his journey going looking for food, looking for help, wandering. So one time he went to a place 
where where there was a, a king there by name Abi Malik, and that his that was his reason. So he said to his wife, "Listen, Sarah, don't say you are my my wife. You are my sister." Agreed, agreed. So when they went there, what happened? Seems like Sarah, she was so beautiful, like everybody sees her. He's asking about who is that beautiful woman. Now, what happened is that Abraham, Abraham went to that place and he said this, this phrase, this, this verse in his heart. Abraham replied, he said to himself, he said to myself, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. That's the first place the fear of God is mentioned in the Bible. Abraham said, Abraham said, there is no fear of God in the place. They will kill me for, for my wife. Now, when the fear of God is absence, what happened? We will not say the truth. When the fear of God is not there, what happened? We compromise. Now, Abraham, Abraham, a giant, the hero of faith, the father of faith. What's happening to you, Abraham? Abraham came, came and said, nobody fears God here. I have to protect myself. I'm threatened. Now, we live in a world around us. Most of the places we go... Do you see the fear of God? We don't see the fear of God everywhere. No. Everywhere we go, there is no fear of God anywhere we go. Now, God says, are you going to allow the atmosphere, the atmosphere to influence you? Can you see it? Can you see it? Now, when you find yourself in a situation, nobody is going to protect me. I have to protect myself. Now, what happened? You're going to allow that atmosphere to dictate you, to impact you, to influence you. He said, there's no fear of God in this place. I have, I have to, to plan something to protect myself. At least, you know, I, I will lie. God will understand. Now, I want you to see that. When, when, when your life, there is no fear of God there in your home, in your life, in your walk. What happened? You're, you're no longer going to walk in the truth. You're always going to compromise. You're always going to bend wherever things are influencing you. Now, I want you to see this story quickly. Now, Abraham attended... Sarah's wedding. Anybody attend his wife's wedding, you know, somewhere? You know? He was there. <laughs> oh. He came and said, who is that beautiful woman? Oh, she's my sister. She's my sister. Can I have her for, as a wife? Okay, let's set a party. And, and I'm sure Sarah was looking at Abraham. I will sh I will, after we finish, we have a talk after that. 
He took her to be his wife. I want you to see this so clearly. Now, before that king touched her that night, God came into the scene. Don't touch that woman. If you touch that woman, you and everybody will be killed. <laughs> the king said to God, he told me, Abraham told me that his, that's his sister. No, 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 that's his wife, that's his wife. He lied to you. I'm glad God in, came into the whole scene there. Do you know why? Because the following year, Isaac came. He's been waiting 24 years for Isaac to come. And that last year, that problem happened. He was about to give the entire, the entire plan. He was surrendering the, the promises of God, everything. The last year, just the following year, Sarah became pregnant with Isaac. Isaac came the last year, the, the final year. Now, I want to come to you today to tell you, if you don't walk in the fear of God, you might miss the promises. But God came into the scene, interrupted that king, because God had a covenant with Abraham. God had a covenant with Abraham. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? That's a good story to start with. <laughs> Can you see? The absence of the fear of God, how are you going to react? I have to protect myself. It's easy to fear the Lord if everybody fears the Lord. <laughs> Now let's move to the second story about the fear. The second place the fear of the Lord is mentioned. Where when Pharaoh asked those midwives in Egypt. The, the, the Hebrew, you know, the Israelites, they were in Egypt. And Pharaoh said, the Israelites are growing. So he called the, med, the midwives, told them, every boy comes out, you kill that boy. Allow the girls to live, but the boys kill them. But the Bible said that the midwives feared God and did not do what Pharaoh asked them to do, which means they're losing their life. You know, they're putting their lives on the line by disobeying Pharaoh. Now that, I always ask, this question, how in the world those midwives challenge the most powerful king on the face of the planet? They Why? Because they have faith in the living God. They have the fear of the Lord. Now I want you to get hold of this. When you have the fear of the Lord, you will challenge anything in your life. Doesn't matter. You challenge the, the strongest Stronghold, the strongest attack. If you have the fear of the Lord, you are bold. You can come against anything that faces your life. I love this, what the Bible said. Because the midwives feared God. Listen to what God did to them. He established homes for them. You know, what builds the house? Not the money, not the education, not, not the fear of the Lord. 
Now, we as Christians, we're against abortion. We go demonstrate we're against abortion. That's good. But what is the answer for abortion? What is really the answer for abortion? Is the fear of God in the heart of that woman. The fear of the Lord, like I, I was reading the statistics here in America, 57 babies were killed, 57 million babies. America is shedding innocent blood. And whenever there is a shed of innocent blood, what happened to the land? The accursed land. Can you see the fear of the Lord can protect the land, can protect can protect uh, the, the uh, life, life. My sister-in-law, my wife's, my brother's wife, she came to me and said, I'm pregnant with a, with a baby. And through test and examination, they discover there's some pollution in the blood and the baby there's some disease going on into so according to the doctor after examination and blood test the the doctor told her the baby is going to be blind paralyzed you have to abort that baby she came crying to me and said what should i do you know i i, I don't want to do that i told her let's let's go ask god that baby doesn't belong to you that belongs to the lord let's let's ask the lord so we prayed she asked the Lord, and the Lord spoke to her. She's a believer. The Lord spoke to her, don't touch that baby. Keep that baby. We prayed, asked the Lord to heal. We just, but the Lord gave us such peace. Rest, this is what the Lord wants. Without fear, without hesitation, God gave such peace. Now, when the time came to give, to, for her to give birth, to the baby the baby came perfect beautiful baby now he's a he's a grown-up man he's now a brain surgeon every time I see him he calls me uncle I'm glad I have a pastor like you. <laughs> they were about to abort that baby but God said, don't touch that baby. Now, what happened when we walk in the fear of God is always a safe ground. A safe reality, a safe results. Let's move further um, to, to point number three. Fear of the Lord compels us to be people of justice, truth, and integrity. Now, um, Jesus spoke about this, about the, a widow. He spoke about the issue, we must be, we must pray without ceasing. So then he, he pulled that story, said there was a town, was a widow. She comes and begging this uh, judge. He's, uh, he doesn't fear God and he, he doesn't fear anybody. But the Bible said, not because he's a just judge, he will he will uh, treat her with justice, but because she bothers him every single day. 
I want to ask you a question. If we have judges like that, how is the outcome? If we have judges, they don't fear God. What happened? The outcome is, is injustice, hurt, pain. Now, the, the answer for just judges or unjust judges, prayer without ceasing. <laughs> we have to pray. Now, the story here is actually speaks of if we have judges that fear the Lord, they will walk in integrity and truth and fairness. So the fear of the Lord actually, what happened, caused you to walk in the truth. Caused you to be a man of integrity. Caused you to be a man that, that walks with that, with that choosing the truth all the time. I have a, a sister in the Lord. She's a secretary of a main company. She's the general secretary. So the owner of the company, is the, he's the manager there. He told her, listen, whatever I tell you, you have to do. If somebody calls me, tell, tell them I'm not here, even if I'm here. She said to him, I, 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 I know the Lord. I, I, I'm, I'm Christian. I can't, I can't lie. He said to her, if, if you don't want to do what I'm asking you, I have to let you go. <laughs> she had a good position, good pay. She came to me and said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I told her what the Lord wants you to do. She, she said, I don't want to lie. I fear God. I don't want to do that. I told her, then you obey the Lord. <laughs> you follow the Lord. So I told her, let's pray, and tomorrow you go to him, write your resignation, tell him, I fear God, I'm not going to lie, and I'm give up my, my, my work, for that reason. She went to him and with that resignation entered his office and said this is my resignation. He said stop, stop, stop. Now I know who's a faithful person in my company. Now I can trust you with everything in this company. Listen, I'm raising your income every month now. I'm going to hire you to a bigger, bigger place in the company. Now, I want you to see this. This is so, uh, so, so encouraging to us. Now, she chose to honor God. When you choose to honor God, what happened? God will honor you. And many times we say, Lord, give me, give me chances to show my honor to you. And I tell you, you will never lose. <laughs> you always, you never lose. You're going you're gonna to love the Lord and you're going to move. Let's move further. Point number four. Fear of the Lord fills, a, fills us with holy reverence for his presence and work. Now, we all desire to have 
signs and wonders, the presence of God, the power of God in our services. But we forget all this must be accompanied by the fear of the Lord. The more there is fear of the Lord, the more the presence of God is bigger, stronger, the more signs and wonders. I want you to see the, the connection between the fear of the Lord and signs and wonders and his presence in the meeting. Now, in the early church, what happened? In the early church, it was filled with the presence of God. The church was full of the presence of God. Signs and wonders. Anybody, any, any member of that church was doing signs and wonders. But a great fear. Every person was full of the fear of the Lord. Now, when we come to the service, God is watching our hearts. How we approach his presence. Sometimes we sit here, we complain, we come to look, we come to uh, criticize, we, we come with so many attitudes and God says, you really don't understand my presence. Watch your heart when you come to his presence. Let me say this. Some believers think they come to the Lord with that attitude, with a sense of entitlement. They come to the Lord, I am your son, you should do this for me, you should do that. They come with that sense of deserving. I deserve this, I deserve that. That sense of entitlement, it's not the fear of God. When we come to the Lord, we just come, Lord, we are thrilled that you invite us, that you are inviting us to you. Sense of entitlement, it's not faith. And that's, God, God is watching our attitude when we come to his presence. He knows. Are you coming, understanding his presence? You have deep respect for him. You, you come and say, Lord, because of the fear of God, I am in harmony with your righteousness. Because of the fear of God, when I come to worship, I am a genuine, a true worshiper because I have the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, even when you come to his presence, there is such hatred in your heart for evil and darkness and sin. And there is such love for righteousness and purity in the house of God. So that, that's something God is watching. In the early church, the fear of the Lord uh, was so clear in every, in every, in every meeting, in every believer. Um, so we don't want the Holy Spirit to do what we want to do. We want to submit to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to, to demand uh, the Holy Spirit to do things. The Holy Spirit is not here to take orders from us. The Holy Spirit is not here just to, oh, okay, you, you push him here, push them there. And I said, when the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Somebody asked me about David's David's uh, wife tonight. <laughs> David had a wife by name Michal. You know the story. 
What happened when David danced before the Lord? His wife mocked him, despised him, started speaking ill against him. She started making, making him so little. He was dancing in the presence of God there. What happened? The Bible said she never had a child the rest of her life. It seems like if we don't really have that fear of the Lord, that reverence for his presence, we might be barren. We'll never have children, spiritual children. Or the church will not. So let's have the fear of the Lord. Let's grow in it. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the fear of the Lord. Are you getting good things out of it tonight? I know it's teaching, but uh, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. This is a foundation. We're putting some foundation tonight. So when we go home, Lord, I want to enjoy life. God says, I'm going to fill you with my fear. Let's go to that story. It's a strange story in the book of Acts chapter 5. Fear of the Lord keeps the church spiritually pure. Every time I read that story, Ananias and Sapphira, how many here read that story? We all, we all read. Every time I read that story, what happened? I, I quickly read it, jump to Acts 6. <laughs> this is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. So let's, let's see this. Let's see this story. Just understand what happened. The Bible said that Barnabas sold a property and brought all the money, put it at the feet of the disciples. Now who saw that? Ananiah and Sapphira. They said, if Barnabas can do it, we can do it. He's not, he's not more spiritual than us. And I want you to see that the early church was full of the glory, full of the presence of God. Always, we don't have this here. The early church has such a presence, thick glory, a power of God. I mean, you, you, you can nobody can miss it. So what's, what was going wrong there? They said, okay. We want to we wanna show ourselves. We are, we are also spiritual. Like everybody. We're also generous like everybody. So what moved them actually? Jealousy, comparison. What moved them is, is something not pure in their heart, they moved with such wrong motive there in giving unto the Lord. Nobody asked them to sell their property. Nobody asked them to bring the money. But why, why, Peter said to them, why you put that in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, I want you to see something here. Now, when we bring an offering 
the Lord wants this offering to come out of your pure motive from the heart. God doesn't look how much you're giving. God is looking how the attitude of giving. The attitude of giving. You give unto the Lord with a pure heart, pure motive. You're giving to bless the name of the Lord, to bless the Lord. You're giving out of a pure heart. Now, when you come to give, you come to give with joy. Hallelujah. Don't allow anybody to pressure you. Don't anybody to manipulate you, to, to, ma to, to make you uh, uh, embarrassed. Th th all this manipulation of giving, that's not, that's not pure before the Lord. If you want to give, it comes from the heart with joy. Now, the Old Testament teaches us something about offering, about giving. Whenever we bring an offering to the Lord, that offering becomes holy, sanctified, because it's given to the Lord. The Bible said the altar will sanctify the offering. So the offering is a holy thing when it's given with a pure motive, with joy. You put it to the Lord. It's a holy issue. It's a holy thing before the Lord. The rest of the money, it's uh, spend it on you. But when you choose to give something to the Lord, you are bringing holy thing into the altar. Now, Ananiah and Sapphira, what happened? They bring an offering. The motives there is not holy one. They were acting, pretending. They want to look spiritual. They want to look, we're generous. What happened? The glory that is in the church, they want to take some of that glory to who? What? To themselves. God's. God saw this offering as a strange fire in his presence. Strange fire. And we know the story. There are three other stories in the Old Testament. It's the same, the same scenario there. Now, what happened when God saw this? God saw that, said, that's a strange fire. I cannot accept that. So the punishment was death. Don't worry, we're going to see them in heaven. We'll see Ananiah and Sapphira and said, oh, we did it. We blew it there. <laughs> but uh, they did not lose their salvation. But the punishment was physical death. Because they, they did not bring, they did not enter respecting God's holy thing to bring it to before the Lord. Now, what happened? Great fear came upon the whole church. Hallelujah. So we, we are learning tonight that God is a holy God. We are learning that the more you are aware, conscious of his presence, Deep respect in your heart, honoring the Lord. Oh, 
Lord, you deserve the best. You deserve. God says, I want to manifest my glory to you. I want to increase my signs and wonders. I want to increase my presence. I appreciate the presence of God in this place. But how about God wants to bring deeper presence in the church? Greater presence in the church. What is the steps? The steps that every one of you say, Lord, we want to come with that, with that deep respect, that fear of the Lord in our hearts that will keep the church pure. Amen? Let's move. Point number six is uh, we're going to finish the 10. So relax, uh, relax. Fear of the Lord uh, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit are essential for the growth of the church. The Bible says, I want you to see this group. Then the church, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. I want you to, to see the, how the verse is set there. Now, for the church to grow, it requires two things, the fear of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we go to seminars, how to grow the church, church planting, church growth, we get doctorate degree on the church growth, and God simplified the whole thing. You want the church to grow? Yes, yes. You need two things. You need my power and the fear of the Lord in every heart. The church will, will take off. Isn't that simple? <laughs> That's what we need. Now, there are three enemies in the church. There are three enemies in the church. And, what, and those three enemies are drived out through the fear of the Lord. We can drive them out from the church if there is the fear of the Lord. The first enemy is, is uh, when the believers are walking after the flesh, carnality. What causes you to be spiritual? The fear of the Lord. What, what causes you to walk in the spirit? The fear of the Lord. You can speak in tongues 24-7. But if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you're not spiritual. You cannot walk in the spirit. So the fear of the Lord causes us to walk in the spirit. So the first enemy in the church, when the church is walking after the flesh, it's a, it's a big problem. The second enemy is ignorance. There are two kinds of ignorance, intentional and unintentional. If you don't know, God will come and teach you. <laughs> but you intentionally, you don't want to know. <laughs> You're in trouble. When the church continues to be infant, an in, in infant, they don't want to grow. They just want a good sermon, good singing, happy Sunday, and go home. <laughs> That's an enemy. Ignorance in the church. We don't want to be ignorant of the word of God, of the things of the spirit. It's the biggest enemy. What drives ignorance from the church? The fear of the Lord. 
The Bible, listen, the Bible said, because we have the fear of the Lord in our hearts, we go out and convince people of who Jesus is. The third enemy that the fear of the Lord can drive out is laziness. Why we are lazy? Because we don't really have the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord will, 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 will remove laziness from your life, from the church, and will cause us to walk. Now, I will tell you that uh, there are three things that will help you to really activate the fear of God and increase in the fear of God. First of all, we have to dedicate our life completely unto the Lord. Dedication. You have to dedicate your life. Say, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, I want to separate my life. Dedicate my life to you. That's, that will help you to grow in the fear of the Lord. The second thing will help you to grow in the fear of the Lord. You have to make a decision daily to choose the truth. Choosing the truth every day. Lord, I have to make a decision. I'll choose to obey you. I'll choose the truth. Thirdly, to grow in the fear of the Lord, you need to increase in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He will talk to you. He will give you that discernment. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit will help you to increase in the fear of the Lord. I was doing a conference in, in Tel Aviv, a major conference, and I was planned to, to speak eight times in that conference. There are other speakers, but I was the first speaker. So I stood to, to preach and teach that, that evening, and I felt the Holy Spirit says, don't preach, don't pre I don't want you to preach tonight. I just want you to go turn the, the, the conference into a prayer meeting. Just go down and lay hands on people. That's what I want you to do. But I was full of the sermon, prepared myself. I said to the Lord, I preach, then I'll pray with the people. And, and you know when you argue with the Lord, <laughs> he stops talking. <laughs> when you argue with him two times, you know, it's, it's over, it's over. <laughs> So I, I, this is, I determined in my mind, I want to preach, then I'll, I'll pray with people. This is, this is, uh, this is my tradition. <laughs> Started preaching. Ten minutes later, God took my voice. I could not communicate. I tried. I forced myself. I got scared. I said, Lord, I will pray with people. Just give me my voice back. So I had to apologize to everybody. I told them, I cannot, I cannot communicate. I don't know what happened to my throat. I, I have a hard time speaking. I told them we're going to turn the meeting into prayer night. <laughs> and uh, when I said this and I start moving, putting my hands on people, God came in the meeting. People, they could not sit on the chair from the power of God. They all went down on the floor. 
I thought this prayer meeting will, 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 will last for two hours, three hours. Then we'll go, everybody goes to their rooms. It's a retreat center. Nobody wants to go to their rooms. They want to spend the whole night in prayer there. Everybody. Nobody was talking with each other. Just what they were. People are sobbing, crying. Just the Holy Spirit was ministering left and right to everybody. And I thought maybe midnight will everybody. They continued all more night, all day, the next night, all three days like that. Nobody preached. It's only the presence of God and hundreds of people there, several hundreds of people laying on the floor, just grasping God, grasping the presence of God. And as a result, what happened? Transformation took place. So many ministers was, were released to the ministry. Many single women got married. Many single men got married. I mean, God started putting people together easily. <laughs> so many things that we cried out to the Lord for answers. After that, that, that conference, we, we saw the Lord just putting things so quickly, so quickly in the entire Galilee and in our ministry. I learned something that obedience is the fear of the Lord. To obey the Lord because you fear the Lord. What causes me to obey the Lord? I respect God. Not because I have to obey. No, no. I honor the Lord in my, in my heart. Let's move to point number seven. Fear of the Lord protects the church in unity and harmony. It says, submit to one another out of the, the fear of the Lord. What causes us to live in harmony? The fear of the Lord causes me to be in submission to you. Do you know the word submission in the original text, in the original meaning? The word submission means you take the second place in order to honor your brother in the first place. You go down to lift your brother up that you go down that's submission you go down to really raise up somebody helping somebody allowing somebody to take the first place allowing somebody to get ahead allowing your brother to get ahead in order you take the second place submission means that I give up my right in order for my brother to grow in the Lord So what keeps unity in the church and harmony, the fear of the Lord. Divisions and hardships and lack of solutions and bitterness and lack of forgiveness, it's all rooted because there is no fear of the Lord. I pray that God will protect this church, will protect relationships, will protect his presence by the fear of the Lord in every heart. Point number eight, fear of the Lord causes us to be serious in our walk with God. We know this verse by heart. Continue to work out your salvation. With fear and trembling. I mean. Doesn't mean we have to work. So we can earn salvation. Because salvation is a gift. Salvation is a complete gift. Jesus on the cross. He said finished. That means he completed my salvation. On the cross past, present and future. 
So we have been given the gift of eternal life. Salvation. Now, what the Bible says, that what causes you to live that gift, to live your salvation, to walk with God, to follow the Lord, is the fear of the Lord. What causes me to be disciplined, what causes me to be committed, what causes me to witness, what causes me to abide in the Lord, the fear of God. Keep your salvation in shape. Don't allow the world to hurt the gift that God has given you, to damage the gift that God has given you. Our salvation is so secure, but needs, needs you to walk and follow the Lord with that fear. Let's move to point number eight, nine. Fear of the Lord makes us faithful in everything we do. Paul uses a difficult social condition to speak about this matter. He uses the slaves. He said, slaves, obey your earth earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and fear of the Lord. Now, slaves, when they work, it's the most miserable people because they have no right, no say, <laughs> I mean, no pensions, no future. They don't own themselves. You have to do what you have to do. You, you like it or you don't like it. So the ministry or the service of slaves is the, is the hardest condition a person can work. And Paul was addressing slaves that they got saved but they have to serve their masters and Paul was saying listen when you serve from your heart as unto the Lord fearing God what happened as a result of your service God is gonna give you satisfaction now the Bible says blessed is to give more than to receive the original word for blessed, it's not clear blessed there, but the original word means, it means they are so satisfying. You are full of delight. You are, you are full of joy. The one that gives more than receives. So the reward of service, of giving, any form of, of service is a form of giving. The reward of giving service what happened? The reward that God is going to bring satisfaction and delight and joy into your heart. Now, the Bible says here, serve with the fear of the Lord. That means when you present a service, you don't present a service because so many motives there, but you serve not just in the church, anywhere you work, anywhere you serve, in any company, in any hospital. But if you work from the heart, fearing the Lord, what is the reward of that ministry? God is going to give you enjoyment. God is going to give you satisfaction. I love, I love the, the Bible says about Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, 
when we look at Joseph, we see him the faithful person. Whatever he is working, he's working faithfully as unto the Lord. And listen to what the Bible says. And the Lord blessed the house of Potiphar because of Joseph. I mean, when Joseph came to, as a slave, Joseph was a slave, came to that house, he started serving, serving out of the heart, out of the fear of the Lord. What happened? God transformed all the atmosphere of that house. God blessed the, the entire house. That house was a house of pagan. They worshiped idols there. They don't know the living God, but God put Joseph there because of his attitude, because of his fearing God. What happened? God blessed Joseph. God blessed the entire house because of Joseph. We know the story when, when Potiphar's wife enticing Joseph every day to commit adultery with her. What did Joseph say? How shall I do this and sin against God? So Joseph was a man, a young man, fearing God. In service, in his behavior, the fear of the Lord was there. Now, let's move to point number, last one, and then we'll pray. Last one is fear of the Lord gives us con confidence and willingness to give an account before the Lord. Now, what causes us to be ready to meet the Lord, to stand before the Lord, is having the fear of God in our hearts. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a serious question. What if Jesus comes tonight? Are you ready to stand before him? What if he comes tonight? Are you really ready to meet the Lord? What causes you to be ready to meet the Lord is the fear of God. If you live the fear of God, you're ready 24-7. Anytime, anytime you're ready to meet with the Lord. I was flying, my wife and I, I was flying in a, a small airplane, uh, like 10 passengers. Finishing a conference, going back home. And uh, so the pilot got into the, the plane and I smelled, he's, uh, he's drunk. He was drunk. And I couldn't make anything. They closed the door and he started moving with the plane. So it was too late, too late to do anything. Then he took off and he suddenly says, uh, there's an, uh, uh, a storm, a, s a snowstorm. It's going to be where we're going to land. So we might, you know, they put us somewhere else or so. So an hour and a half, the plane was going left and right. I mean, I, I said, Lord, I, you know, I, I thought I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. I, this is how I felt. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it because the plane was going left. I mean, shaking an hour and a half. I said, uh, I prayed prayers there. <laughs> I really prayed a lot of prayers. I took my, my wife's hand. We started praying about small things. We want to get ready to meet the Lord. Now, you don't need an air, airplane ride to meet, <laughs> to shake you so you can be ready. It's the fear of the Lord. 
The Bible said we all going to stand before the seat of Christ to give an account of what we have done in our lives. That's not the, we're going to stand not to give an account about sin there because the issue of sin was dealt with. Now we're standing, we're standing to give an account for reward. That's the seat, uh, the Bema seat of Christ, which is we're going to stand after the rapture, immediately after the rapture, we will stand before the seat of Christ to give an account so he will, he will reward us. He will give us what the rewards for eternity. Now, the Bible speaks about crowns. Not everybody is going to have them. You might go there without crowns. Now, if you go there without crowns, what happens? You go for eternity, but you'll be in heaven, but you don't have a crown. There are seven crowns in the Bible. Now, if you don't have a crown, you're going to sit in the back. <laughs> the ones that with crowns, they will be close to the throat. <laughs> now, every crown in the Bible is conditional. Read the crowns. Every crown has a condition. If you endure, you will receive the crown of life. Crowns are rewards. How many here desire to be his, his position in eternity very close to the throne? We all desire that. We all desire that. Now, crowns are used in heaven for worship. You're going to worship God with the crowns, with your crowns. Now, if you don't have a crown, you go in the back rows there. But if you have a crown, what happened? You're going to lay your crown before the Lord. Now, write this down. Write Crowns is the ultimate expression of our worship in heaven. Crowns are the ultimate expression of our worship in heaven. Every day I have different crown. I'm going to lay it down before the Lord. How many here would like to have those seven crowns in the Bible? Crowns are rewards. We're all going to stand. Now there's another seat, the throne, the white throne seat of God. That's for sinners. That's in Revelation chapter 20. That's, that's the judgment of sinners that nobody, no saved person will be there. But we're going to stand. Now, S King Solomon tells us this. He lived a miserable life. Uh, out of his miserable life, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. So when you study Ecclesiastes, you see a, a miserable person. He comes to a conclusion. Tell us, what is the conclusion, Solomon? What, what, what did you find out? You tried everything. You, have every, you had everything. You tried everything. You saw everything. I mean, King Solomon, everything, he touched everything. Then he said this. Now all has been heard. 
Here is the conclusion of the matter. What is the conclusion you have? Fear God. That's the conclusion. And the conclusion I came, all my life is summarized under one statement, fear God and obey him. So well, the fear of the Lord causes us to stand before the Lord ready to help us to gain an awesome reward and enjoy life. The rest of the points here, they will loss of the fear of the Lord. There are 10 things we can lose the fear of the Lord. You can study it, how to grow in the fear of the Lord and the blessings of the fear of the Lord. Uh, also uh, is in the notes, you can study it carefully and we trust the Lord to bless you and uh, um, enjoy life because of the fear of the Lord. Let's all stand before Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands and thank the Lord? Father, we thank you to seal the word in our hearts. We are so eager to know and to grow in, in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Fill this church, Lord, with the fear of the Lord that we will see your glory manifest in this place. Touch every person, Lord. Strengthen us. Empower us. Equip us, Lord. You designed our life so we can be joyful, meaningful. And Lord, we thank you because you are so gracious with us. You're so patient with us. And today, Lord, we just give ourselves afresh to you. Receive. Receive us. Strengthen us, Lord. Surround us with your presence. We desire to give us an encounter so the fear of God will fill us again. Bless your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.